welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another edition of No More Mondays podcast. I am your host, Angie Callen. How are you with change? Do you embrace it wholeheartedly or fight it kicking and screaming? What if you had no choice but to take the unexpected in stride? Well, that's what Carol Stizet has done, and it has shaped her career and life trajectory one left turn at a time. From navigating move after move as a military spouse to the constant career reinvention required as part of that lifestyle, to some life traumas, health challenges, and unintended consequences from all of those events, Carol has had one heck of a journey. Lucky for us, she has chosen to thrive through that adversity and now coaches others on how to lead at all levels by embracing your unique individuality and getting through change with positivity. If you know me, you know how excited I am to talk about this conversation because I am a big change agent and know that we can thrive through adversity. So let's get into it and welcome Carol to the show. Carol, welcome to No More Mondays. Thank you. And I love the title of your podcast, by the way. Thank you. You know, you're the second person that's told me that today. So I'm just going to get an ego by the end of this day. <laughs> I think it should be Norma Mondays followed by every day's a Friday. I just, just a follow on, right? Sequence. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because the, the podcast came first and then shortly after this whole idea of like combating the Sunday scaries came mm-hmm. uh, and it's, and that also became like a little bit of a global awareness around kind of Sunday scaries. And uh, I like in a way how they kind of play off of each other, because mm-hmm. if you don't have Mondays, you can't have Sunday scaries. And if every day is a Friday, none of it exists. Right. So, uh, and also I don't work on Fridays, so that helps the whole situation too. Perfect. Right? Perfect. Um, and I'm so excited for you to be here and share your wisdom, but also your journey with us. Mm. And I thought it would be helpful to get into a little bit of that background, because I think that there's some important context on how it shaped your current perspective and just where you're at in kind of life and career and business. So I'd say let's let's give everybody that foundation of like that Reader's Digest of of how you have been delivered onto the No More Mondays doorstep. Wow. Uh, let's see how short I can make that journey for people. Um, I am a survivor and a thriver is what I like to tell people. And they go, well, I don't know, what's that mean? Well, it, I have been the, the, <laughs> the person who's gotten to experience three car accidents, all stopped and turning left. So I have no fear of driving, but I have a healthy fear of everyone else. Um, so isn't it kind of, I didn't, by the way, I did not know that when I said that your life trajectory had, had, had taken some turns one left at a time. Isn't that kind of ironic? (laughs) I was like, well, looky there. Yes. Um, (laughs) At one time I tried to figure out every town by just right turns only, which would take forever. I was like, okay, okay. I got this. Um, yeah, two of them were drunk drivers and one was just a really excited teenager who got her braces off. Um, So, but, you know, one of them, I lost half my family. One of them, I almost lost me. 
and the the other one is I got to my my son was in the car with me, and so each one taught me something. And there was a brilliant moment in time where someone asked me, "Who are you now in the best way possible because of the crap that you went through?" And it was such a good twist because we have a tendency to play the victim, like "Oh poor me," or "Look at this," and you know want to explore your your unicornness through trauma. And this one question allowed me to really love my uniqueness because of thriving and surviving. You know, the first one taught me how to speak up. You know, I was, I was six years old. Nobody could find my brother. And I pushed, I pushed, where's my brother? Where he's three, right? He was like trapped underneath the back seat of the car, already hooked to the tow truck. So that was really a, a and I didn't know subconsciously that that lesson came with me as I was growing up. When I had the second car accident at 17, it was because the driver didn't see me. And I learned what it felt like, what it must feel like to feel invisible. So I started smiling at everyone and looking people in the eye all the time. Like you're, you're seen on my watch. Um, the third one was I, I had to teach my son and myself that how we respond to bad things is what is how we win. It, that's what, that's the only thing we can control. I can't control why we were hit. I can't control all that, but I can control how we respond to it. Um, and then later on in life, I had been working with my doctor for a year, trying to convince her to take me seriously when something didn't feel quite right. And by the time I, took myself seriously enough to find another doctor. It was stage three cancer. And that taught, taught me not to wait. Don't wait. And if you don't want to wait, then what do you do? So I, that re I really dived into how do I take all these lessons into work? And how do I take all these lessons into leadership? And how do I help other people learn, have a shortcut because of my journey? So tell it oh. Oh, I want to move on, but I want to stick a pin in because one of the things I pulled out in reading all your information were these three factors that you've identified that contribute that are most likely to contribute to success. And now I understand just in that quick snapshot exactly which event led to each mm. realization or how the how how they they progressed into them. But before we give before we go there, I do think it would be great to give everybody an idea of how from like a vocational or a career perspective, you are using all of this to benefit others. So basically like, OK, what are you doing right now work wise that uses all of this? <laughs> well, you, you mentioned that being a military spouse and it, that is a hard um, job because back in the day and when I say that, I feel like a dinosaur, but it's not it's just been recently that all the military services have really recognized the spouse's career cost to moving around the active duty member. But at the time it was still a part of the consequences. So I got to at one point, look at everything I'd ever done, uh, facilitation, learning development, onboarding, hiring, hiring, harassment, training, conflict negotiations. And they all now fall underneath this big, broad umbrella of strategic HR. So I have, a master's in industrial organizational psychology. I worked in all these different arenas. I became an HR consultant. And then I realized that I was consult, I was consulting and coaching 
the leaders of the organizations because of their HR issues. And at one point I realized I was really wanting to spend more time in the coaching space because when you're hired as an HR consultant, they also want you to look at all their paperwork and their litigiousness. And I was like, yeah, but I don't really like, I, I can't talk to paper. So I really want to talk to people. And I find that when I get to work with leaders who lead people, that's when they'll do the really cool work on their own leadership because they see real time results with their people. So that's how I took. So the, the three things that, that we'll jump into all found their way as a through line between my life experiences, all the things that I was really good. Apparently I'm really good at seeing the, the landmines in, in people relationships, especially at work and, and coaching and guiding and, and giving communication tools and, and good verbiage and at what will you gain when you actually can do this as a great leader? And that through line has been constant. So that's, I hope I've answered your question. I may have gotten off on a tangent. Sorry. No, it's a good, it's a good <laughs> tangent because there's a few things I'm going to pull out of there. One is this idea of that common theme that mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't realize has been woven until we're able to look back and see the, I don't know, the cross stitch picture that it has created. There's a throwback to Mom, hi, mom used to cross yeah. in the 80s, right? But but there's a common theme. And you you said something kind of to set up your uh, your whole tangent, but it was a perfect tangent, which is that it's the culmination of your experiences across all these different things, HR, training, and pairing it with that landmine, landmine seeking superpower that helped you define how you wanted to support people in a coaching and consulting capacity. And I still attest that the most successful coaches and consultants figure out that special sauce, right? Mm -hmm. It's very much based on experience and, and, and having a journey that you can now walk someone else through because you have empathy and direct experience with it. And you found a way to kind of take that into this world of, of leadership and helping people build that culture and communications. Mm -hmm. I applaud you. I love it. <laughs> so to close that loop and we've alluded to these three things it, as an executive coach who gets to work with leaders, I get to work with really smart people and it's really addicting. But one thing I, I bring to the table is I was raised by a really high IQ person who had, who struggled in the EQ range. And I, I understand how to influence that and help people see that. So one of the things that I love to make people aware of is what is EQ and what is PQ and what is BQ. We all are familiar with IQ. So IQ is that intellect and it's amazing. It allows you to connect the dots faster than most. It's brilliant. But you and can have that, high Can I IQ ask a question about that? Yeah. Yeah. In your opinion, or maybe there's some scientific research out there around this, is IQ something that you're like born with pretty much? There is a nature and nurture component in the research. You can be born with a high IQ, but unless it's nurtured and you know where to apply it, it can go off the rails. I mean, yeah. a lot of high end criminals 
have high IQs that was never directed in a way that they knew how to, you know, really be successful in societal and rich. So they pick other things. Whereas when we get into EQ, PQ and BQ, those are things that we have the ability to learn ourselves and develop ourselves. Right. So EQ is emotional intelligence, which is how you can respond in real time that makes you very effective. Reading the room, understanding someone's context or they're looking at their expression on their face or thinking through the facts versus the emotions you're feeling. PQ is positive intelligence. How do we quickly quiet the inner critics that are working against us and turn them into positive ways of rethinking and reframing all the things that are possible in front of us. And BQ, behavioral intelligence, is how do we behave at work against a benchmark of 25,000 other leaders that we've been able to assess and research? Let's see how you are working within your industry in comparison of behaviors at work. And they all do kind of connect in this really brilliant pie. But all of them show up when you're working with people. And that's where your success lies in truly influencing, affecting, leading, growing, and developing others. And and so when you develop and grow others, you automatically are developing and growing yourself. And I would, I would guess that many of these are, are, let's say tested Mm -hmm. when faced with some sort of change, adverse event, uh, or, you know, other almost negative situation that all of a sudden it's like, oh, what's my what's how am I going to react to this or how am I not going to react to this? Right. Yes. And um, I, I use the, the tree of life as a metaphor, a visual metaphor. When we're young, when you're the root of the tree and growing, you are learning skills that help you react because you can't control all the decisions being made about your life. You're young, you're under the influence of all these adults. And then as you become an adult, we want you then to grow into the creative part of the tree where you're growing and touching and, and thriving. What happens is we get stuck reusing the habits in the reactive space and that keeps us from being good and creative. And so EQ and PQ and BQ are all the tools of self-awareness we use to move you from reactive to the roots to the thriving part of the creative leadership that we have found to be scientifically brilliant to be a successful leader that other people want to follow and brag about. Well, and it's interesting that you just in a roundabout way uh, brought something into the conversation that's been a recurring theme for me. And I pay attention to recurring themes because they're usually somebody trying to tell you something. (laughs) And that is this idea of, of looking at, I'm going to say behaviors or learned Mm -hmm. beliefs that come from a young age and we carry on with us and take as our truth. And it doesn't mean, but, but we don't ever stop to question them or to, Mm -hmm. to challenge them because we assume because we learned them at a young age that they should be the truth. And that's, that doesn't mean they're right or wrong. It just means that there may be some of those that we want to actively unlearn or unbelieve in order to sprout that creativity and really kind of, you know, thrive, have thriving branches across these kind of three different elements 
to right. success. So my question for you around that is how, from a, like a practical perspective, do we do these things? Do we build each of these muscles? So to start with your point of learned stories in our head, right? And as a coach, my job is to challenge every story, every process, and not so that you are forced to be irritated and defend them, but to understand how to honor the origin of the story. There are stories we create in our head from that, that helped us be successful as a child in school, in college. And because they've helped us be successful there, we take them to be our truths. And then I go, yeah, but the context and the environment that you were in is very different than what you're being asked to do. Our society has forgotten to say, well, here's your diploma and a new set of rules. So instead of using the teacher as the, the, the authoritative and replacing it as the boss is authoritative, who's going to teach you. Now that boss wants you to go in and ask questions. And you've been taught not to ask questions for 16 years. It's so true. We don't handle training like practical life skills training through those big milestones. Right. Very well. Either from moving from like even something as simple from high school to college. There's a lot of this happens in our formative, like in the real formative years of like 18 to 25, because you go from high school to college, woo, culture shock, shock, culture to the real world, bigger culture shock, you know, and all and all of these big life milestones that happen really rapidly. But we're never given a framework of of how to how to how to change our perspective because of the shifting context. Right. And so. When uh, we and and there are assessments for EQ, PQ, and BQ, right? But for positive intelligence, we kind of look at okay, when you're hard on yourself, what's the voice? And there's technically in the positive intelligence assessment where there's like ten character caricatures. We we just give them names, you know, perfectionist, da da da, and. And it's really interesting to have your top two identified and you go, oh, yes. Oh, and then my job is like, where'd they come from? When did that serve you really well? And it will always drive back to some time in your formative years when you and like, well, I learned that if I did this, then I got this. If I did this, I got that. And I go, OK, but here's how it's now getting in your way, because the rules of the game have changed and someone forgot to tell you. The moment that happened. And so now these habits of adapting and reacting when you were younger, let's honor that. Let's hold a space in a positive way and say, yes, that was cool. That helped. Now, what do I want to do instead? Because now I want something different. So I have found that it does, it serves no one to say, quit that bad habit. Because we get what we focus on. So if all we're doing is focusing on don't do, don't do, don't do, you will continue to do it. But if we say, what do you want to do instead? This is a growth opportunity. You're growing from that. Because of that, you can now do. If you have the grow conversations, now we know what to do differently without having to worry about what not to do. I like this idea of honor the origin of the story. And I love even just the fact that you brought that word story in because the beliefs or those, those truths that we're taught oftentimes come from stories. So honor the origin of the story and understand its place 
in your history and who you've become because it's still part of you. But at that point, you can choose to begin to build new stories and create new truths. And and in my opinion, starting with PQ, because it's the voice that you tell yourself, which we know is often the loudest, is is a great place to begin, because a lot of what you also said about PQ looks a lot like that two word bad phrase imposter syndrome. That is very popular nowadays. And all Mm -hmm. of that can become a really challenging ecosystem to try to push through if you do want to make changes and grow. Right. Yes, exactly. I have a a friend, Chris Kelso, who wrote the book Overcoming the Imposter. And we talk, we work a lot together because how do you take the things that feel wrong or feel false or feel unconnected and turn them into a positive? How do you lean in into everything? How do you get comfortable with the discomfort you're feeling? It's reframing. So how do you quiet the inner critic that's saying, you're not good enough. They don't even know if they only knew how much of a mess you were, blah, 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 blah. And go, woo. I kind of, I tell people, you know, that shrinking person that the more they shrink, the higher their voice gets that you can, can't hear them anymore. You know, only the dog is barking now, not you, you know, and that leaves so much space for you to go, this is the perfect place for me to be. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I get to learn. I'm not the best person in this room. I get to learn. I'm, I'm not needing to be perfect. I get to grow. And it, it all falls in line with this brilliant piece of research that when I learned it, it was out of Harvard and I cannot quote the citation, but It was neuroscience at its just best service to me. It says the brain is always scanning the environment for two things, 24, seven, 365. What am I doing right? Where do I grow next? And we go into work. What am I doing right? So I don't have to change that. And where do I grow next? So I know where I'm going at work and we need that information. But I wish people would stop asking the question, how can I improve? Because they think it's a really nice question. It's going to open up this great conversation. You're going to go, oh, you don't need to improve. You're doing great. But we got a training next month I think you'd enjoy. Does that happen? No. No. Well, and that goes from that. You're going from that like scarcity deficit negative approach of basically how can I improve? It means something is wrong. I need to fix. Right. It allows versus a more positive, proactive exactly. approach of like what, you know, where do I want to grow? Exactly. Which means you have capacity. So I tell people all the time, go ask, what, what's the one thing I'm doing so well you don't want me to change? And where else can I apply that? Where can I grow? And keep asking. Anytime you want to know, ask all the time, anytime you can use it. And when you do that, you know how to give good feedback. If somebody comes to you and you're like, Hi, I just don't know how I'm doing. Anytime there's anxiety at work, it means there are ambiguity and vagueness. There's a lack of clarity at work. So instead of leaning into the anxious feelings, go ask, what am I doing right? And where do you think I should be growing next? That keeps everything moving forward. And I want to point out the fact that neither of those questions are what am I doing wrong? Exactly. And that's really important. And that's where the PQ, the positivity voice and shifting that context can be a great foundation. And what I think is interesting is once you're able to have a healthier conversation with yourself, 
Now we're almost working backwards. Now the BQ changes because that's where resilience comes in. That's where the ability to cope with adversity and bad situations or changes comes in. So now let's let's talk about that one a little bit more. So behavioral intelligence is behaviors and learning which behaviors are going to get the best results from those that you need to work with, you need results with, you need to connect with and network with. There is a, a benchmark assessment. It's 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 a very interesting assessment because it just gives you 10 questions and you rate them from one to 10. Where are you? And it's turned out to be really brilliant in letting you see a benchmark of how you are responding across a huge benchmark of thousands of other leaders around the world. And it's not right or wrong. It's just a picture in time of how you are thinking today so that you can pick the behavior that right now is important to you. And like, let's talk about where you sit here. Why are you higher than most? Why are you lower than most? Tell give me the context of what you're dealing with for that behavior. And it allows people to pick out a situation at work that is driving that behavior as a great kind of experimental playground of awareness. How would you, is this the right behavior right now? Okay, fine. But is this because of your role? Because if your role changes, would you want that behavior to change? And so understanding it, it, I'll back up. I like assessments that allow other people to like a 360 um, assess frequency of their experiencing something, not opinion or quality. It's quantity, right? Very different assessment. And so when you do this benchmark with behavioral intelligence, you're a benchmark against 25,000 other global leaders. So you get to assess your own context, your own role, your own responsibilities, and then self-decide if you really want that behavior to change or not. Nobody's telling you. But if you go, well, what are the results the other people get? Well, we can dive into that little pocket of research on that behavior. If your behavior is more in line with the normal, here's what the other leaders are getting as a result, that type of thing. So I think we're giving quite a lot of autonomy for change, but it's a choice for change. And we only change when we choose to, not when someone tells us to, or when we know that we want a different result than we're getting to change. And so Um, We all do behaviors because they have made us successful at some point in time. And I, I tell people all the time, as somebody who works with people and wants results from people, you need to start every day knowing that everybody got up today to make today better. Nobody got up today going, I cannot wait to suck. I'm going to screw up so brilliantly. It's going to be epic. Nobody. And if you say that to yourself in the morning, you better call one of us right now. Right. Right. <laughs> like, what's happening? But everybody gets up like, okay, today's going to be better. So everybody gets up to be successful. Your job as a leader is to help them be successful. Are your behaviors serving others to be successful or are they just trying to self-serve you? Because that's not going to help. Oh, that's a good, that's a very good point. And you said a word earlier the word awareness, which I think is so integral to this idea of behavioral intelligence and understanding how a behavior either serves you 
and whether that's, you know, a positive or negative and how it affects others. And if you're if you're more aware of your behaviors, now reaction can 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 come down, right? Because if you if you're aware, it means you're going to stop at least for a split second and think about how you're going to address a situation and that that's where we can potentially move from reactionary to positivity or to proactivity which mm-hmm. then also brings in that element of like, wait, am I going to react in a way that's self-serving or am I going to be you know, proactive about how I approach this because I'm aware of how it impacts others? And that's really critical when we move from self-leadership to leading others. Right. And, and there's always going to be, someone's always going to bring up, well, how does resilience work in all these things? <laughs> <laughs> and I go... Good, good question. Uh, you know, I, if I go back, emotional intelligence is how you stop and respond in the moment. Positive intelligence is the internal dialogue that helps you do that. Behavioral intelligence is practiced, you know, behaviors. And I said, resilience is how you get back up every time you're knocked down. And if you're a leader, you're going to have to get up quicker than anybody else you lead. And then so, help others get up. And then help others. So you're going to have to use emotional intelligence, inner dialogue, and 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 look at the behaviors that are going to let other people see you get back up, so that you can help them up. Well, and and so we haven't we haven't drilled into the EQ piece, and I want to spend a little time there, even though in my opinion it's probably the one of the three people are most aware of. But Mm -hmm. I also think in some respects it can be a little bit of an enigma that people think you either have it or you don't have it. And so you know, in in this little trifecta of quotients that we can nurture mm-hmm. proactively, you know, EQ is the, is it's almost like they're each has a, like a projection of where they come from. Right. Right. Uh, the PQ is the internal voice projected internally. BQ is external. IQ mm-hmm. is how we internalize external things. So let's talk more about the EQ and how it fits into this like trifecta and how, you know, how we approach the, growth aspect of that one. Right. So one of the, one of the interesting aspects of EQ that I love to poke with people is when something blows up in your face, what's the first thing you do? Do you go calm and assess? Do you immediately react and, 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 and get as loud Do you immediately start to fix? What do you do in that moment that someone comes running in? Oh my God, my hair is on fire. The dog's lost. The car got dinged. You know, what do you do in that moment? Because that is a really good moment of where your emotional intelligence is. If you go into fix it, you're going into fixing in the hero, but you're not listening. If you go into, I'll be just as loud and dramatic as you, you're wanting to that belonging, but you're not thinking. And if you call, if you go back and start to assess everything, you're not adding to the drama. You're not getting in the way of the solution or the problem, but now you're able to reassess and then pull in the right behaviors and reactions to help the person who needs you the fastest, the soonest right now. And so it's just a conversation, but it's a snapshot of what 
EQ can be like in low and high situations. High situations, high IQ, you're not drawn into the drama. You don't have to be the center of attention right away. You're looking for a way to help solutions without an ego. You know, it, if you're trying to go quick, fix, I'll be, a, I'll be a part of the solution, yay me, mid-range, if you're trying to be as loud or as dra- dramatic and somebody comes to you and you're like, you know, a little chicken, the sky is falling and go off yelling even more, you're contributing low EQ. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, somebody's going to get offended that I've just really boiled this down to such a, a, a tiny little That we've just moment. labeled. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I but... don't like to label. I'm trying to get you a, a, a moment to envision someone you've seen do all of these things. And it's not like we're ever perfect at any of them. No. Right. You're, you're going to fall into every single one of those categories and the millions in between each one, depending on a, a, a million different factors at play when, and I think if we simplify it's simplified, it's read the room. Right. And so, and you bring up a really good point. I can have high EQ in one situation and I could have none, none and something that is highly triggering to me. It brings back PTSD. It yep. brings back a moment in time that I just crumble. So no one has perfect EQ, high, medium, or low. We have all them all. But you get to assess how much of a muscle you use in each and start to learn your trigger points and where you're effective. There are some people who are brilliant working as an ER doctor who would be horrible as a pediatrician, right? They they just, babies are the sweet spot. They crumble, but in the ER, they're in command, right? So get to know yourself and know where your EQ is really high and where it gets triggered to be lowest. And that's part of self-awareness too. It's part of knowing and loving and embracing who you are when you're at your best and just accepting what the worst is and avoiding those triggers. Yep. And also realizing that none of this is a, is a, there's no like finish line. There's no destination here. This is just the continual growth journey you will be on if you choose to, because remember that word choice came in earlier. If you choose to get to take this journey, it will be, one of, of never ending because it is almost like being in the gym, right? There's always a next milestone to strive through, or there's always, you know, a muscle group that needs a little bit more work uh, than another that you may have been focused on. So this is a continual kind of effort. And if you can embrace that, you'll, you'll be able to stay on that, on the path and the journey in a little bit more of a sustainable way. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I said, remember, you just want to know what you're really good at and where you're going to grow next. That's it. That's all your brain wants. That's it. So every day going, what am I doing really well today? I got dressed. I matched my socks. I'm winning. I'm winning. Where can I grow? I could put a top on. All right. That would help in societal norms. You know, what is it? It could be just as mundane and simple, or it could be, I finished writing a book And I get to now learn from my editor what everything I have to change, right? It can be in anything. What am I doing well? Where can I grow next? 
That is all your brain wants 24-7. So quiet out all the little bad voices. And when they when the anxiety comes in, just stop it and ask yourself those two questions. Exactly. And so here, I want to take this little, um, I'm going to say, individual, sure. uh, let's say, ecosystem that we're building for somebody. And now I want to talk about, take it a step further, because we've talked about leadership in and out here. But I, I, how do we take the, these concepts and this idea of, of self-growth? I'm being very cautious not to say the word improvement, everyone. <laughs> Thank but you. this idea of self-growth, and let's say we get to the point where these three things are working in, you know, they're jiving. You know, how do we take these ideas, ideals and put them in a leadership environment um, to impact the people that we're leading? So knowing that everybody's brain wants to know what they're doing well and where to grow next, that allows you to have individual conversations all the time in the hallway with the people you lead. And the moment you do that, they feel as if they have been seen, heard, and valued by you because you're giving them useful information and you're letting them know where you see their growth to be. And what that does is it starts people responding to those behaviors you're giving them. You're giving them good juju, good information. That's increasing your leadership behavior, the perceptions of your behavior by other people. Whether they're yours or not, you now have people coming to you more often. Hey, can you remind me what I'm doing right, where I can grow next? You're creating an ongoing, moving conversation. And people will start to want to have this conversation with you. They'll hang on your every word whenever you're speaking because they have felt seen, heard, and valued by you. What that does is it helps their inner dialogue, their PQ. You actually can talk about their behavior growth. Hey, here's what you do right in the meetings. Here's where I need you to grow in the next meet. By, by the next meeting, I need you to grow here. So instead of saying you've done something wrong, I need you to grow in, in your listening skills by the next meeting. Very different conversation than stop talking so much in the meeting. Well, and couldn't you imagine if this is how, let's just throw the term corporate America out there for lack of yeah. a better designation, handled improvement in the workplace. And I'm saying that word intentionally instead of a pip. There right. is a reason, and this is just a really specific you know, soapbox to get on, but there's a reason they don't work. And it's because right. they're all based in negative and saying, here's where you need to improve. Instead of saying, Hey person, if you're going to sit and ask yourself, what am I doing well? And, and where do I want to grow next? Imagine how powerful that would be to go ask everyone else on your team that instead of criticism. If a pip did not come across as punitive, they would work. If they said, here's your performance you know, here's what we're going to do for whatever reason. We change boss, mergers, acquisitions. All these people can fall through the cracks. They all want to know, what am I doing right? Where do I grow next? I want to keep my job. Am I worth the investment? A PIP should say, you're worth the investment of our time and our attention. So here's, here's what you're doing right. Here's how we're going to invest in you. <laughs> exactly. And here's where you need to grow next. And here are the metrics that you need to meet. People want metrics. They want to know how to be successful. They're like, absolutely, this is a growth opportunity. And when you do this, this is what you gain. If it were for a performance growth plan, PIPs yeah, would be the PIP desirable. is the benchmark. Right. The, that, that becomes your benchmark of here's where we're at. 
let's just say it's not good or bad. It's just where we're at. And here's all the opportunities that exist beyond it. It would be so much more constructive. Yes. We can actually rename it, you know, instead of performance index process or whatever, it could be, you know, something that we can, we can actually make up PIP for growth, right? We could say this is performance, you know, index parameters or whatever. We can rename anything. Acronyms just let you do that. A PGP. So instead right. of a performance improvement plan, let's call it a performance growth plan. I love it. Oh, would it be sweet if you and I could just like go put that out into the world and it, and it took it. hold? Because people would get hired, they get onboarded, they would get a PGP immediately. Right. So it really, it's a proactive tool instead mm-hmm. of like you said, it's punitive and that's why they never, they never work. And there so, cause I also think that this is a fantastic, would be a much more constructive way to even do regular performance reviews. Right. right. Instead of like the good old, when I was in corporate America, what are three things you did? Well, what are three things you did poorly? What are three things you want to improve? Why don't you just ask me, what am I doing well and how do I want to grow next? Like that just exactly. makes me so much more excited to talk about. And even if you don't change the form and it's a one to a five, you know, and they go, how do I get from a four to a five? Paint me that picture. How do I grow from that four you've given me to that five? And when I get to the five, what goalposts can we change so that the next time it's a four and I'm going to another five. You know, I, I had one boss going, I never get anybody of a five out of a one to a five rating. And I said, why? He goes, because they'll get complacent. And I said, no, you've you create a six. the training on leadership. When someone hits a five, you move the goalpost. And they go, oh, they go, yeah, you move the goalpost. I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall with that facial expression that uh, that that leader had. But I think that the the big picture here is if if we uh, this is so cliche, but it's the freaking golden rule. Everybody, (laughs) if you were able to take the way that you should ideally be treating yourself, treat yourself that way and then treat everybody else that way, whether it's work or personal, the whole world would go around a lot more smoothly and it would be a lot easier to lead because everybody would be on the same page. We wouldn't have this punitive stuff. Because people wouldn't be trying to keep people in a box. They would say, okay, let's truly figure out how you want to grow. And so I I really enjoy this, not only from a personal growth perspective, but hopefully leaders out there are listening to this and thinking, hmm, Carol's on to something. Yeah. It, it, I, it, when I get pushback on this, it's, it's, and I, I look at people, I said, you're pushing back because you've probably been raised in an either or binary thinking world. It's an A or a B. It's a, a, you know, pass fail. You either won or you didn't. And I said, but that's not reality. Everything in our universe is a yes. And even when you screw up, something still happened and we still have to do something next. I said, so Let's rephrase this and yes, and this, because you want, you've hired them and you want them to be good and they're not good right now. So we're going to do something different and they're going to get better. And if they don't get better, it's their choice. They're very well informed and they'll say, this isn't the job for me. Okay. But we have to get to the point where they know exactly how to succeed and they are able to identify why they're not succeeding 
And now you come to a choice together. And yes, there we're always going to have people who are going to buck the system and love drama and do something to get fired. Fine. Hire slow, fire fast. Let's just put that out there. Take the time to hire for attitude and cultural fit and respect once you've ascertained they have the skills. You know, you, you can... You can teach the skills. You can't teach attitude unless can't you can't teach start. enthusiasm. Yes. Right. right. You can't teach enthusiasm. However, you can seed it by being consistent and letting them know where they can grow because they need to hear that they can grow and you believe in them. Leaders, great leaders, their people know that that leader believes in them. How are the fastest way to tell them that you believe in them is to identify where you think they can grow. It's like watering a plant. That's the difference between a leader and a manager, by the way, for fundamental. There's a whole other podcast you and I could now record together, I think. But yeah, it's, it, yeah. this is down to that fundamental, like approaching things at an individual level to understand somebody's Q trifecta and mm-hmm. where they can grow within that. But also understanding the motivators that that individual has to want and to choose to want to grow in the way that you've identified. And that's, I think as soon as you stop trying to just look at this, like, oh, I've got 20 people, I'm going to treat, treat them all the same. Leadership fundamentally becomes a different exercise. It does. And, and to your point about managers and leaders, this, what you're doing well, where you can grow works for both, even though managers are asked to push for results and leaders are tasked with pulling, right? There's, there's, that's the difference. And managers are like, here, you got to meet these quotas. You got to push. But a manager can say, look, here's what you're doing well. Here's where you need to grow for to get those results. We need those results. How can I help? What's the challenge? What's getting in the way? You can still push with the same infinity loop of here's what you're doing well. Here's what you have to grow. The moment you are asked to lead and pull, meaning people volunteer to do great work for you, you are now well-versed on here's what you're doing well. Here's where you need to grow. Here's what I need from you. Are you ready? Are you ready? So it can apply to both, even though they're being asked to do different things in their leadership. And just because you manage doesn't mean you're also not leading. And to some right. extent, even if you're pulling, some sometimes you'll have to manage within that as well. Yeah. But I think a lot of this is, is, is knowing your, if you're in a leadership position, you're in a position of influence and empowerment. And it all becomes a lot more fun if you approach it that way and want to take people with you instead of potentially saying, no, they have to stay at a four. Right. Right. It's just a fundamentally different approach to all of it. Yes. It's when you have people who are acting bored, not engaged, quietly quitting, leaving you. That is a sign that you are not helping your people grow. Period. I could go off on the quiet quitting thing, but yeah. you just hit the nail on the head. You shouldn't right. have people who are quiet quitting if you've created a good growth environment. And, and people don't know how to ask for what they need, so they quit. Yes. And yes. that's and if why you are quiet quitting, you're not in the right environment for you either. So stop quiet quitting and just quit and go find a new job. There's there's right. my mini there's my mini well, rant on quiet quitting. And when I tell people I said if you are not going after the information you need to stay excited about your job. 50% of that responsibility is on you to ask. 
Yes. So stop playing the victim. You have to advo- yes. You have to advocate for yourself, especially if you're in a situation where the leadership is not the, you know, the pretty perfect picture we're painting here, which is most cases, nothing's perfect. That goes mm-hmm. back to the very beginning about the voice that we tell ourselves. Right. But sometimes you have a role to play. You need to advocate for yourself and ask as well. But I, I have a, I've been getting some pushback from younger um, executives that, we say advocate for yourself and advocate has a tendency to, you know, emit these emotions that they have to like rally for themselves and go fight for themselves. And they go, Ooh, okay. So what if we change the verbiage? Like let's go be a detective and find out how other people feel about what you're doing right or where they see you growing next. Let's go learn and gain data. Let's go ask some questions to investigate if you're really seen by others the way you think right now. And they go, well, I could do that. I go, oh, it's the same as advocating for advocating. yourself. I guess I'll just take all the punctuation out of my text messages now too. <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> but still. So we've, we've had, we, we've, I think in our current dialogue of creating frameworks or normalizing a term, advocating for yourself has somehow been associated with fighting for yourself and people who hate fighting or hate conflict. They're like, Oh no. So yeah, it has assume, a negative connotation for some reason. So you just have yeah. to flip the script and figure out how to make that. Kind right. Of more so let's be curious. Yeah, let's be, be curious. impatient, curious people to go find out what people think. Ask. I, I think the best way to summarize this, and this is a perfect just way to, of start wrapping this up is is be curious start saying yes and instead of if no Mm -hmm. right be curious there's a whole big gray area of life out there Uh, much to some people's chagrin this world is not zeros and ones sorry all the software engineers i work with who i've literally had to have binary conversations with because of that fact that's right. But if you start, if you start the the three big takeaways here are ask yourself, what am I doing well? Where do I want to go next? And embrace a yes and mindset. Brilliant. You'll be shocked if you're able to kind of maybe master those three little tidbits, how mm-hmm. you'll be shocked at how EQ, BQ and, and PQ yeah. all start taking on, you know, different momentum and different power. And you'll really be on that growth track that you're asking yourself and choosing to be on. Yeah. So I know, uh, I know you have a lot of, uh, holy cow, this could be a three hour episode. I have so many other things that I was like, I want to talk about that and that, but I also know you have a lot of great resources. I was checking out your website before we came online. There's a book, you have some of the assessments that, that we've talked about a little bit. So tell everybody a little bit about those and how they find you and those resources. So I have a website called Relevant, and there's a hyphen, relevant-insight, because I know we all want to be relevant. So relevant-insight.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, with Carol Stizes, my name. I have Carol with an E on the end, and Stizes, my married name that I married into that looks just like pizza, but it's S-T-I-Z-Z-A. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wrote a book called The Ask Framework about how I found this methodology of going after the feedback you wanted when you wanted it. Uh, We've just kind of brought it down to more succinctness for this podcast, which I think is really brilliant. 
Um, but there's more there in that book. And I have a lot. I do blogs. I do newsletters. I do coaching tips every week. So I'd love to connect with you in any way you want. And I love helping people just recognize the challenges they have in front of them and how to overcome them. So it's part of the beauty of getting to do what we do. Yes, Because we all have challenges. It's a fact of life. Oh, yeah. You can choose. You can choose to move through them and to overcome them. And sometimes you just need a little help in doing that, which is why people like Carol and I are here. And Carol is part of my LinkedIn network. So you can find her through me. Uh, and we, as always, will link all of the the uh, the, the profiles website and everything to the show notes as no more Monday at no more Mondays dot info. But before we go, we're going to get one more pearl of wisdom out of you, Carol. I want to okay. know what your number one piece of advice is on what everybody out there can do to get one step closer to life and career satisfaction. I think the one thing that can help everybody right away is to assume noble intent and know that everybody gets up to be successful. So if they did, and you did too, and they're doing it different than you, take a hot moment and rethink how you think about them and go investigate. But assume noble intent. It goes back to the intent. curiosity. It does. I love so it. Assume, assume noble intent. Noble intent. Offensive. Take the offensive, not the mm -hmm. defensive. Yep. That's an excellent pearl of wisdom. To wrap up an amazing conversation full of gold nuggets. And so I am so appreciative of you being here and being part of the No More Mondays, Every Day's a Friday, No More Sunday Scaries That's movement right. that we are all trying to create. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. This has been a blast. I know this was a really fun conversation and I hope all of you took some notes and are going to go visit Carol's website because I have a feeling there's about a hundred times more of this good stuff there. And you know how much we love talking to people that have not only navigated a lot of their own left turns, even if it is quite literally, but are helping other people do the same. And this is some really important work that is only becoming more and more relevant as we become increasingly aware of corporate culture and how important it is to create kind of safe, uh, safe and mindful work environment. So uh, this is this is an excellent conversation, no matter whether you are leading yourself or leading others. And so I thank you for tuning in, Carol. Thank you for being here. If you are listening, uh, go give us a five star rating. Subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcast. Head on over to nomoremondays.info for show notes about, from this conversation. If you want to leave us a guest suggestion, feedback, you can do it all there. And until next time, I will see you next Wednesday for another drop of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.